How did you happen to get in here? I ran here. You scared the daylights out of me last night. Seems like the truth shouldn't scare anybody, man or boy. Hello everyone and welcome to When It Was Cool Dark. I'm your host, Carl Stern, from WhenItWasCool.com. This podcast is produced and distributed by WhenItWasCool.com. Hope you will take a moment and check out our website. I have a new book available, soft cover and uh, Kindle edition. It is called Dragon King Carl Stern's 1983 Pro Wrestling Almanac. If you're a fan of classic professional wrestling, Everything you want to know that took place in one of the most important years in pro wrestling is available in this book. I have put exhaustive amounts of research into this book, and 1983 was a very important year leading up to the national expansion of the WWF, the Hulkamania era, and everything that made pro wrestling a huge pop culture phenomenon in the 1980s. I am a longtime pro wrestling historian. And I hope you will check out this new book on Amazon. Uh, This past week it was trending as the uh, number one uh, best new book in almanacs and yearbooks. And uh, while it's kind of a hybrid between an almanac yearbook and a narrative book, I think you will find it extremely informative. Uh, This is written with the uh, very... uh, uh, very uh, educated, very deep professional wrestling fan involved, the the, the hardcore fan. Uh, but those of you who are just interested in the history of professional wrestling and pop culture will find it, I think, very informative as well. Check that out on Amazon.com or on the front page of WhenItWasCool.com. If you become a Patreon supporter at WhenItWasCool.com at the $10 or more level, you can download a PDF copy of the book. That is one of the perks uh, for supporting our website, and we hope you will do so. Now, we're in the midst of a series called 100 of the Darkest Moments in Pop Culture History, and we're nearing the end. We're up in the 80s now, uh, so not that many more to go. This has uh, really been a way of documenting uh, negative happenings in popular culture, but also a way... I hope uh, during this series you, you've found uh, and remembered some very talented artists, some very uh, talented actors and, and sports figures. Uh, when I talk about popular culture, uh, we're talking about everything from TV, movies, sports, music, everything that entertains us. And uh, it's not to be taken lightly. You know, we think about entertainment as kind of, you know, unnecessary and, and, and a perk in life. Well, I don't think that's necessarily true. I mean, many of us, uh, everybody really deals with uh, adversity and goodness knows the last several years have been full of that with uh, pandemics and uh, changes in in the economy and just uh, life in general. We need a break. We need some time to uh, refresh ourselves and popular culture uh, does that. But there have been some Moments that are have been unhealthy in pop culture. There's been some moments that have been tragic, and uh, today's story we're going to 
entered the world of sports again and movies. Uh, recently, over at WhenItWasCool.com, we've been reviewing on our Patreon uh, thread and also on our main show, the uh, When It Was Cool Retro Pop Culture Podcast. If you uh, want to add that to your listening rotation, we've been ro- uh, reviewing the Rocky movies. Love the Rocky movies. Uh, I've been a huge fan of the Rocky Balboa movies since uh, I was a kid, 1970s. Seen every one of them. Talked about, uh, you know, Rocky III was a hugely important uh, movie in popular culture. And uh, today's uh, uh, person we're going to talk about was in, well, generally viewed as the worst of the Rocky movies. I'll give you that. We uh, reviewed it recently here at WhenItWasCool.com, Rocky V. And it's honestly not as bad as you probably remember it. It's not great, and it's certainly out of character with the other Rocky movies. But this starred boxer, real-world boxer Tommy Morrison. He played the character of Tommy Gunn in the movie, a protege, a trainee of Rocky Balboa. Unfortunately, Tommy Morrison's story... Uh, doesn't have a happy ending, and it takes many tragic turns along the way. He was a uh, quite a up-and-coming successful boxer. Looked like he had a great career ahead of him. But through uh, some poor choices in life and uh, maybe, some, uh, maybe some bad luck as well, he... Um, his life took a tragic downturn, and in 2013, at the age of 44, uh, he passed away. And it's very controversial. The, the, there's a number of misconceptions, misunderstandings, a lot of them, uh, quite frankly, uh, perpetrated by Tommy Morrison himself about his health and uh, what, what, if anything, was wrong with him. And it's a very difficult story to figure out the truth in. Uh, there was even a book written about the uh, something along the lines of the truth and lies of Tommy Morrison, or or something like that. Anyway, it was it's a very difficult story to find uh, real, true grains of truth in. So let's talk about Tommy Morrison. Sports fans and uh, movie fans alike, this is going to uh, touch in there. So Tommy the Duke Morrison, born January second, nineteen sixty nine. And as I've already mentioned, on September 1st, 2003, he passed away at the age of 44, which I think we can all agree that's uh, pretty young and uh, pretty unnatural. So what happened? He was a professional boxer who competed from 1988 to 2008. He held the WBO Heavyweight Championship in 1993. Now, there's a huge alphabet soup of world boxing championships, and and at different times, different ones are more respected than others. And uh, I'm not even about to unpack all that. Maybe we'll do a show, a boxing-related show, sometime on the uh, When It Was Cool main podcast where try to make sense of all these different world championships but he was wbo champion for a minute there in 1993 but he retired from boxing in 1996 when he tested positive for hiv or did he uh there's much tommy morrison uh had much information put out about this a lot of it contradictory uh, we'll try to make as much sense as possible out of, uh, as can be made out of the hiv story 
Morrison's also known for his acting career, having starred alongside Sylvester Stallone in the 1990 film Rocky V as the character Tommy Gunn. Tommy Morrison had previously attempted to come back to boxing in 2007 when the Nevada Commission lifted the indefinite worldwide suspension in July 2006. His comeback was short-lived and never materialized to anything significant beyond two fights, though Morrison dabbled briefly as a mixed martial artist. Morrison again retired in 2011. In 2013, Tommy Morrison's mother announced that her son was in the final stages of AIDS. He died on September 1, 2013 at the age of 44. The official cause of death was sepsis, septic shock, multiple system organ failure, and ultimately cardiac arrest. So his body uh, succumbed, according to his mother, from the effects of AIDS, which of course is the uh, uh, caused by the HIV virus. So Tommy Morrison was born in Arkansas. His mother, her name Diana, by the way, was a Native American, uh, whereas his father, Tim, was of Irish ancestry. Morrison was raised in Oklahoma, spending most of his teenage years in the town of Jay. His nickname, The Duke, is based on a claim that he was the grandnephew or some other distant relative of Hollywood star John Wayne. Now, there is a great deal of conjecture about whether that's true or not. I don't know that it's ever been definitively proven one way or the other. But it's a good story, right? Tommy's father urged him to take up boxing at the age of 10 when Tommy was just 13 years old. His mother used a fake ID to enter her son into 15 tough man contests where the minimum age for contestants was 21. He later told the New York Times that he only lost one of these matches. Again, you'll notice in the Tommy Morrison story, there's a lot of, hmm, that seems sketchy. Well, there'll be, that's just the start. After graduating from high school in 1988, that's a year before I graduated in high school, so we're uh, virtually, uh, would, would have been close to the same age, Tommy Morrison received a football scholarship to Emporia State University. In the same year, Tommy Morrison won the regional heavyweight title, Kansas City Golden Gloves from Donald Ellis, and advanced to the National Golden Gloves in Omaha, Nebraska, where he decisioned Javier Alvarez in the preliminaries, decisioned Warren Williams in the quarterfinals, but lost a split decision to Derek Isselman in the semifinals. Two weeks later, Tommy Morrison took part in the Western Olympic Trials in Houston, Texas, defeating Robert Hargrove by a 4-1 majority decision in the semifinals and John Bray by a 5-0 unanimous decision in the finals in qualifying for the Nationals and garnering the Outstanding Fighter Award of the tournament. Two weeks after that, fighting out of Republic, Missouri at the National Olympic Trials in Concord, California, July 6, 1988, Morrison lost a 0-5 unanimous decision to Ray Mercer, yes, very famous boxer himself. You'll notice that he is fighting a lot in a short period of time. Not necessarily a good idea, but hungry on the way up, you know, putting in the work. Uh, he's... He's in there, so uh, and Ray Mercer is certainly uh, no one to uh, no one to sneeze at. Ray Mercer went on to win the gold medal in the Seoul Olympics. 
And it's also to be noted that Tommy Morrison also had a prior matchup scheduled to be held June 16, 1988 at the Felt Forum in New York City, but no further information uh, is known as to why that never took place. But as an amateur, Morrison claimed 222 fights, most of which were local matchups. And again, mm, that sounds a little skeptical. Uh, the 1988 Olympic trials being at the top of his amateur career. His amateur record is supposedly 202 wins with 20 losses. Then we move to his professional boxing career, and he had a very notable pro boxing career. Tommy Morrison started his pro boxing career November 10th, 1988, with the first round knockout of William Muhammad in New York City. Three weeks later, again, fighting a lot in very quick succession, he scored another first-round knockout. In 1989, Morrison had 19 wins and no losses. That is a lot of fights to have in one year. That is more than one fight a month. That is way too many fights. Fifteen of his wins were by knockout. That is impressive. That's the same year that actor Sylvester Stallone observed one of Morrison's bouts. Stallone arranged a script reading and cast Morrison in the movie Rocky V as Tommy the Machine Gun, a young and talented protege of the retired Rocky Balboa. Morrison took a six-month break from boxing to work on the movie in 1990. From December 8, 1989 until June 8, 1990, Morrison did not compete in an actual boxing match. That was due to both injuries and his involvement in the movie. In 1991, Morrison won four bouts, including notable victories against opponents James Tillis, the first man to take Mike Tyson to the distance. Yeah, James Tillis was a real deal also. And former WBC heavyweight champion uh, Pinkland Thomas. Now then, Ray Mercer comes up in the story again. Tommy Morrison was then given an opportunity to face fellow undefeated fighter Ray Mercer. The WBO title holder in a pay-per-view card held October 18, 1991. The fight was a matchup between two undefeated up-and-coming heavyweights. Initially, the bout was set to take place on August 9th, but Morrison had to withdraw after suffering a deep cut while sparring. Mercer contemplated facing a substitute opponent, but was announced the following week that the fight would be rescheduled for October 18, 1991. Tommy Morrison got off to a great start, outboxing a sluggish Mercer through the first three rounds en route to taking all three rounds on three of the judges' scorecards. Mercer would end the fight only 28 seconds into the fifth round. With Morrison backed up into the corner, Mercer was able to land a 15-punch combination Clearly hurt from the exchange, Morrison slumped against the ropes, but the referee allowed Mercer to land several more punishing blows to a now defenseless Morrison before finally ending the fight. Morrison suffered the first loss of his career, losing by a uh, uh, fifth-round knockout. Tommy Morrison went on to have six wins in 1992, including fights with Art Tucker and Joe Hip, who later became the first Native American to challenge for the world heavyweight title. In the hip fight held June 19, 1992, Morrison was suffering from what was later discovered to be a broken hand and broken jaw, but rallied to score a knockout win in the ninth round. It's almost a rocky story in and of itself. After two wins in 1993, including one over two-time world, challenger, uh, world title challenger Carl The Truth Williams, 
Tommy Morrison found himself fighting for the WBO title yet again against the legendary heavyweight boxing champion George Foreman. Though the bout was promoted as a match between two of boxing's hardest punchers, neither fighter scored a knockdown nor had their opponent in any real danger. Morrison chose to avoid brawling with George Foreman and spent the fight boxing from long range. He was able to hit and move effectively in this manner, and Tommy Morrison won the bout in a lopsided, unanimous decision with two scores of 117 to 110 and one score of 118 to 109, which resulted in him becoming the new WBO heavyweight champion in the process. Now, originally, Morris's first title defense was scheduled against his Rocky Five co-star, Mike Williams, in August of 1993. Williams ultimately withdrew on the night of the fight, so Tim Tomshek stood in as a replacement. Although Tomshek had been prepared to fight as a backup plan, some news reports created the impression that he had just been pulled out of the crowd. Yes, a storyline. Tomshek had been drinking before the bout, not believing Williams to have really backed out, yet he was still able to reel off several of Morrison's combinations. The fight was stopped by Tomshek's corner after only four rounds due to him walking to the wrong corner after being knocked down by Morrison. The WBO was later said to have rescinded their sanctioning of this fight due to Tom Sheck's lack of experience, but this was later confirmed to be a rumor as fight records show the fight to have remained a bona fide title fight. Almost immediately, talks of a fight with WBC champion Lennox Lewis began for reestablishing him as one of the top heavyweight contenders. Morrison then agreed to a lucrative WBC title shot against Lewis that would see Lewis make the fourth defense of his title against Morrison, with both men evilly splitting a $16 million purse. Very nice payday. However, and talk about bad decisions, here we go with, with another one. However, Morrison first chose to take a tune-up bout against the virtually unknown Michael Bennett before facing Lewis. The decision would proved to be unwise as Bennett brutalized Morrison during their fight, knocking him down three times, 97 seconds into the first round in front of a live HBO boxing audience, after which the fight was stopped and Bennett was named the winner. The loss cost Morrison his title shot against Lewis, as well as a reported $7.5 million that he was to earn in the Lewis fight. This decision cost him near $8 million. And there's a little bit more uh, to this story. Um, there is the there is the claim that going to a concert, drinking a beer, may have cost Tommy Morrison this money. A website called SportsCasting.com uh, in an article. Uh, that that discusses this said that Tommy Morrison missed out on $8 million by drinking a beer at a concert the night before a title fight. After the Tom Sheck fight, Tommy Morrison was set for the biggest payday of his career, an $8 million fight with WBC heavyweight champion Lennox Lewis. It was a dream match at the time, featuring two of the sport's hardest hitters. However, in a confusing move, he scheduled a tune-up fight with Michael Bennett, who had only 11 pro fights to his credit. It was looked at as an easy fight for Morrison, but he took things a little too lightly, and it cost him. It was no secret to those around him that Tommy Morrison enjoyed his fame. He was constantly with different women and enjoyed the celebrity lifestyle. 
much like his character in Rocky V, honestly. During the build of the fight with Bennett in October of 1993, he didn't take his training too seriously, as told in the ESPN 30 for 30 documentary on, on him called Tommy. He went to a concert the night before, and uh, obviously something fighters shouldn't do, and he was drinking beer. Tommy Morrison's not caught up with him the next day. Nobody was giving Bennett much of a chance, but Morrison simply wasn't ready. He looked decent the first 45 seconds of the fight, landing some hard shots to the challenger, but it was over after that. Morrison got caught with a vicious right hand and hit the canvas for the first time about a minute in. He took his standing eight count, but went down again just seven seconds later. He took another standing eight, and Bennett pounced on the day's champion. Another barrage came, and that was it. Tommy Morrison had lost his title, and HBO boxing commentator Jim Lampley was very quick to point out that his $8 million payday with Lennox Lewis was gone as well. Morrison went from an $8 million payday in a heavyweight title fight with Lennox Lewis to a $60,000 fight at a casino in Biloxi, Mississippi. Tommy Morrison would finally get a fight with Lewis close to two years after his loss to Bennett, but he wouldn't get the same payday as he wasn't that big of a draw anymore. Lewis knocked Morrison out in the sixth round. Now, uh, Tommy Morrison's widow, Tricia, uh, later uh said this story was not in fact true that he did go to the concert apparently but had not been drinking but nonetheless poor choices from tommy morrison when we return after our mid-show break we'll talk about the finality of tommy morrison's boxing career the hiv and aids story and much much more on the uh, very swift very uh, traumatic and dramatic decline in the life of boxing star and uh, movie participant in Rocky Five, Tommy Morrison. Warning. Warning. 370. Dark. We are back and I uh, want to encourage you, ask you uh, very kindly if you would go to whenitwascool.com, check out everything we have to offer there. I'm working on a feature article right now that will be free to all website visitors on the Rocky movies. Plus, all of our reviews are for free on our flagship podcast, the When It Was Cool Retro Pop Culture Podcast, available on all major podcasting apps and directly to stream or download at whenitwascool.com. And again, we uh, produce this show and everything you see in our podcasting network is available only because of our Patreon supporters. So if you're listing this show, if you've ever considered becoming a Patreon supporter, you can for as little as $1 a month. At the $5 a month level, you get a archive, immediate access to an archive of over 2,000 podcasts dealing with pop culture, retro pop culture, pro wrestling history, and more. And if you come in at the $10 or more level, you'll get a PDF copy, a digital copy of my new book, Dragon King Carl Stearns, 1983 Pro Wrestling Omnibus. Presently, as I'm recording this, the number one uh, new book in yearbooks and almanacs at Amazon. So, picking up here with Tommy Morrison from 1994 after the disastrous decision to have a tune-up fight before the Lennox Lewis fight. He recovered by winning three bouts in a row in 1994, but his last fight of the year against Ross Purity ended with a draw before he landed a WBO heavyweight title fight against Herbie Hyde on the infamous infamous High Noon in Hong Kong card. 
but the event was canceled at the last minute due to financial issues. Morrison won three fights in 1995 before beating former number one contender Razor Ruddock for the minor IBC heavyweight championship. Ruddick dropped Morrison to his knees in the first round, but Morrison recovered to force a standing count in round two and compete on even terms for five rounds. Both fighters continued to trade power punches in rounds three and four, but Ruddick took control in round five, hurting Morrison with several left hooks and keeping him at bay with his jab. In the sixth round, Ruddick hurt Morrison with a quick combination, but just as it seemed Tommy Morrison was in trouble, he countered with a tremendous hook that put Ruddick on the canvas. Ruddick regained his footing, but Morris drove him into the ropes and showered him with an extended flurry of blows. Just as the bell was about to sound, the referee stepped in and declared Morrison the winner by TKO. Following his victory over Razor Ruddick, Morrison was scheduled to meet the former undisputed heavyweight champion Riddick Bowe for Bowe's WBO heavyweight title. But Bowe pulled out after obtaining a more lucrative fight with Evander Holyfield. Shortly after the cancellation of the Bowe-Morrison fight, Lewis and Morrison were able to reach an agreement to face one another during the fall of 1995 in Atlantic City. The much-anticipated fight with Lewis, who had also lost his world championship, had finally took place. Morrison was knocked out in the sixth round. Both fighters fought a conservative first round with neither man establishing much power-wise, but Lewis was able to effectively and efficiently use his signature left jab to keep Morrison on the defensive and had little trouble with Morrison from the second round onward. In February 1996, in the hours before a scheduled bout against Arthur Weathers, the Nevada Athletic Commission determined Morrison had tested positive for HIV and suspended Morrison from boxing in Nevada. Several days later, Morrison's physician administered a test, which was also positive. At a news conference on February 15, 1996, Tommy Morrison said he had contracted HIV because of a, quote, permissive, fast, and reckless lifestyle. Morrison stated that he would absolutely never fight again. Well, it would turn out that was not true. At another news conference on September 19, 1996, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Morrison announced he wished to fight, quote, one last time when he could find an opponent, the proceeds of which would benefit his Knockout AIDS Foundation. A spokesman for the Oklahoma Professional Boxing Advisory Board said Morrison would probably not be permitted to fight in Oklahoma because of his Nevada suspension. Morrison was given an opportunity for a final bout, but invitation of George Foreman uh, Morrison tra- by invitation of George Foreman, rather, Morrison traveled to Japan in November of 1996 to fight on the undercard, headlined by George Foreman uh, for a title defense of his uh, lineal WBU championship against Crawford Grimsley. Morrison was allowed to fight as anyone who has HIV positive was not prohibited from fighting in boxing in Japan. However, the fight was agreed to be stopped if Morrison received a cut. Morrison won against Rowe by TKO at less than two minutes of the first round. So this, of course, probably a bad thing as it encouraged Tommy Morrison to begin a comeback. In 2007, Morrison began fighting again. And strangely enough, he passed medical tests in Texas and West Virginia license Morrison to fight that state. 
So in February 2007, he fought and beat John Castle by second-round knockout. In February of 2008, Morrison was cleared to fight Matt Weschler in Leon, Mexico. Uh, on the undercard, where standard HIV testing before a match did not exist at such time, he defeated him by third-round TKO. In January of 2011, the Boxing Commission for the province of Quebec required that Morrison take a supervised HIV test in advance of a scheduled fight. Morrison invited the Quebec Commission to attend a public test, but the commission did not come. Morrison stated that if Quebec refused to license him, he would take the dog and pony show somewhere else, but Morrison retired again later the same year. At one point in 1996, going back to 96, Morrison was married to two women at the same time, Don Freeman and Don Gilbert. Well, at least they had, he was fortunate enough to have the same first name there, I suppose. Morrison had two children by the age of 19. Morrison and Tricia Morrison uh, were engaged in 2009. They were ultimately married in 2011. And Morrison is the father of professional boxers Kenzie Morrison and Trey Lip Morrison. In 2006, and here we go with the, uh, the controversy about the HIV test, Morrison said his HIV tests had been false positives. The Nevada Commission's Medical Advisory Board reviewed Morrison's 1996 test results and concluded they were actually, in fact, ironclad and unequivocal. Morrison said he tried to get a copy of the original test result but was unable to do so, adding, quote, I don't think it ever existed. The commission said Morrison could contact the laboratory and they would immediately release the results to him. So there's much banter back and forth, and from Morrison's side, it seems very contradictory toward the athletic board's side. Morrison tested negative for HIV four times in January 2007. Now, you know, so that seems extremely odd. What, you know, what are the, what are, you know, what's the sources on this? They're sketchy. I don't really know. Can't really tell. There was an article uh, about this called uh, from Boxing Scene Magazine from uh, 2007. On the July 22, 2007, the New York Times reported that Morrison took two HIV tests in 2007 and a third specifically for the New York Times. Ringside doctors, including Nevada's chief ringside physician, implied that the negative results were not based on Morrison's blood. So there seems to be, you can infer here that perhaps there's allegations that Tommy Morrison is passing these blood tests by using someone else's blood. Again, all we have is conjecture at this time. How does this happen? Who knows? There's a myriad of uh, possibilities. Who's right? Who's wrong? Well, since Morrison ultimately died as complication uh, from AIDS, supposedly, even that's apparently in, in argument, uh, who knows? In September 1999, an Oklahoma court, so we get the courts involved, what do they, what do they say? Well, uh, he gets a DUI is what happens. The courts are now involved here. In December 1993, Morrison was charged with an assault and public intoxication when he allegedly punched a University of Iowa student. Uh, Morrison said the student had been staring at him. 
Morris had pled guilty, paid a $310 fine, but he said he was innocent. In October of 1996, Morrison pled guilty to transporting a loaded firearm in Jay, Oklahoma. He received a six-month suspended sentence and a $100 fine. In 1997, an Oklahoma jury convicted him of DUI in an accident that left three people injured, and the court ordered Morrison to spend time in treatment. September of 1999, an Oklahoma court gave a two-year suspended sentence for a DUI elevated to felony level by his previous DUI conviction. On September 16, 1999, police stopped Morrison for driving erratically and found drugs and weapons in his car, which resulted in various drugs and firearm charges. While waiting trial on September 16th charges, Morrison was again arrested on charges of intoxication and weapons possession while a felon in November of 1999. You see things spiraling, spiraling, spiraling. And this is predates his boxing comeback. So there's all kinds of credibility issues and problems here. On January 14, 2000, Morrison was sentenced to two years in prison on the September 16 charges. On April 3, 2002, he was sentenced to another year in prison after violating parole in Tulsa, Oklahoma, but was given credit for time previously served. Now, in August of 2013, Elizabeth Merrill of ESPN.com reported that Tommy Morrison's mother, Diana, said that Tommy had, quote, full-blown AIDS and was quote, in his final days. She also stated that Morrison had been bedridden for over a year. Same article also stated that Morrison's wife, Tricia, however, did not believe Morrison had AIDS. So again, they continue all the way up to the point of his death to argue whether he actually had HIV, had AIDS, did or didn't, false or not, somebody else's blood or not. There is it, the, the, the truth in this is Tommy Morrison's stories versus everybody else, and they are very contradictory. On September 1st, 2013, Tommy Morrison died at Nebraska Medical Center in Omaha, Nebraska at the age of 44. According to the Nebraska Department of Health and Human Sources, uh, human, human services rather, not sources, services, Morrison's cause of death was cardiac arrest resulting from multiple organ failure due to septic shock uh, caused by an infection. So again, they're listing not AIDS as his cause of death, but the, you know, what one would presume to be the physical effects of of his organs shutting down and things like that. So even in death, he's skirting around the issue of did he or did he not have HIV? Did he or did he not have AIDS? There are tests that say he did, indisputably, according to the Nevada State Athletic Commission. And Tommy Morrison says, no, look, I passed all these other tests. Bleacher Report. Reporting on his death said former WBO boxing champion Tommy Morrison passed away at the age of 44. ESPN's Elizabeth Merrill first reported the news on Monday afternoon, noting the once great boxer died in a hospital in Omaha, Nebraska. Morrison was diagnosed with HIV during his prime with the announcement coming back in 1996, just before a fight with Arthur Weathers. The Arkansas-born, Oklahoma-raised fighter nicknamed the Duke initially accepted that he contracted the disease due to his permissive, fast, and reckless lifestyle. Again, that quote. 
and he entered an early retirement, vowing to never fight again. However, Morrison reemerged in 2006, boldly claiming he was free of the disease and speculating that HIV was a government conspiracy. He also believed his initial tests were either a false positive or a dastardly ploy by a rival promoter. He would attempt to fight after claiming to be HIV-free, but could not find a bout sanctioned by a respectable commission. He beat John Castle in 2007 and defeated Matt Wessler in 2008, but both seemed to be nothing more than publicity stunts. Prior to his years of HIV denial, drug use, trouble with the law, and health problems, Morrison had a lot going for him. And then they talk about taking the, the WBO title from George Foreman and his uh, appearance as Tommy Gunn in Rocky V. The cause of death is currently unknown and may be a cause of contention for quite some time. According to Merrill, longtime promoter Tony Holden said, quote, I don't know what the official cause of death at the hospital will be. You prepare for things like this and still you feel like you get hit by a truck when you hear the news. Morrison's wife, Tricia, insisted that her husband was suffering from Guillain-Barr syndrome and not AIDS. So again, the, the widow insistent. It was not the mother insisting that it was, quote, full-blown AIDS. USA Today, which you would think would vet this stuff out pretty, pretty significantly, in reporting his death, said Tommy Morrison's career reached its pinnacle on a hot June night in Las Vegas when he stepped in the ring and beat George Foreman to become the heavyweight champion. It reached its nadir when he tested positive for HIV three years later. So... Uh, again, you know the, we've uh, that would I think be his culmination of his that would be the pinnacle of his career would have been Rocky Five and the uh, and the uh, George Foreman fight for sure. When discussing uh, his cause of death and his HIV, he um, they said the USA Today said. Morrison says his HIV tests were, in fact, false positives, and he wanted to resume his career. He passed medical tests in Arizona, even as Nevada stood by its decision to suspend his license. And he returned to the ring, and then they talk about his next two uh, fights and really come to no conclusion on his uh, HIV status or whatever. ESPN, which is our final stop here in the, the crazy story of Tommy Morrison and his Decline says Morrison's wild ride ended by denial. And again, this is from ESPN.com. Tommy Morrison died Sunday night of an undisclosed illness, but for all intents and purposes, he died of denial. In 1996, Morrison was diagnosed with HIV, the virus that causes AIDS. In 1997, he told me, this being the author of the article who was Tom Friend, that he was still having unprotected sex with his first wife. I'll trust an attorney before I'll trust a doctor, he said. I'm not sure how many wives he ended up with. I lost count after the fourth, but nothing ever changed. His last wife, Tricia, recently told ESPN.com's Elizabeth Merrill that they, too, had unprotected sex. As far as Tommy was concerned, his HIV never existed. He searched high and low for rogue doctors who would assure him he was fine, who would clear him to go back to boxing. He was nothing without boxing, nothing without sex, so he looked the other way. 
He tried AZT for a month and threw it in the trash. He thought the HIV therapy drug taken by most HIV patients was propaganda. His family staged an intervention to get him back on meds, but he cursed at them and said, I will lay down and die before I take any drugs. Magic Johnson tried to reach out to him in 1996, the same Magic Johnson who is thriving 22 years later after his own HIV diagnosis, and Tommy Morrison ignored him. I remember talking to Magic the day I announced I had HIV. Morrison told uh, the author friend here in ESPN in 1998. He was preaching, do what your doctor tells you. Well, I didn't have a doctor then, so I got down on my knees and I prayed. Every day I was like, God, what do I do? Hell, I saw myself dying. And then I started getting all these books in the mail. And they all said, don't worry about it, just live your life. So that's what I did. Morrison was a distant relative of John Wayne. But the problem was, he lived his whole life like he was in the Wild West. His mother gave him his first tattoo. His father gave him his first woman at a strip club when he was just 14. They entered him as an 8th grader in tough man contests. In other words, his parents essentially signed him up for bar fights. That's how he made his name. That and setting fire to his high school football field when he was cut from the team. The best thing he had going for him was his blue eyes, his blonde hair, and muscles on top of muscles. He moved to Kansas City, got a promoter, and entered the fight game. Morrison would later admit to me that he was on steroids, but Sylvester Stallone couldn't take his eyes off of him and cast him as Tommy Gunn in Rocky V. As a writer for the New York Times, I later watched him defeat 44-year-old George Foreman in Las Vegas for a heavyweight title. That night, while they were clinching seconds before the final bell, Foreman whispered to the new champ, Don't curse in public. Morrison must not have heard him. He would later be arrested for multiple DUIs and was always allegedly profane with police officers. Morrison and Stallone had a falling out by then, so he so had Morrison and his trainer, but Bill Caton was his manager. And had Morrison not been diagnosed with HIV, Caton was about to get him a deal to fight Mike Tyson. The hype would have been through the roof, or at least through the MGM Grand. But after the diagnosis, Morrison became a pariah. His words were mumbled and nonsensical. His family assumed he contracted HIV from a dirty steroid needle, but there was no discussing it with him, no discussing anything with him. Before the new millennium, he bought a cave, convinced that the world was coming to an end at the stroke of midnight on January 1st, 2000. That's where he slept on December 31st, 1999. Delusional then, and obviously, the years to come. He had a good heart. That was never the issue. He was friendly, would talk to any kid, but would also talk to animals, too. He once did an interview with me with his cat in his arms. He died Sunday at the age of 44, the same age George Foreman was when Morrison beat him for the title. Hopefully, he finally took George's advice. Hopefully, Tommy Morrison wasn't cursing at the end. So, very uh, dramatic article there from uh, ESPN.com from somebody who apparently at least uh, knew or talked to Morrison uh, quite frequently and covered this story for a long time. It's very sad, very sad story. Having just recently watched him in Rocky Five, it was uh, 
knowing the tragic outcome of the of the story ahead of time it was it was a sad thing to see to be sure he did a fine job in that movie uh the movie itself wasn't that well written wasn't very well received uh, basically was <laughs> retconned out of existence with the release of 2006's rocky balboa but tommy gunn for tommy morrison rather as, as tommy gunn for his part did fine in the movie for for what was written of him uh, certainly it wasn't even close to the worst character in that movie but a very sad story and one of the 100 darkest moments in pop culture history. Well, I hope you found the show informative. And uh, in return, I hope you will now go to whenitwascool.com and check out our other pop culture offerings. Uh, we talk retro pop culture. We have a lot of pro wrestling history. That is probably what I'm most well known for as being a pro wrestling historian. And my new book, Dragon King Carl Stern's 1983 Pro Wrestling Omnibus, available on Amazon and to Patreon supporters at the $10 or more level. So I hope you'll come check us out at whenitwascool.com, and I will see you back here again soon with another show. Whenitwascool.com is not only about remembering the retro pop culture we love. Whenitwascool.com is about remembering history and our place in it. Whenitwascool.com. Sometimes when it was cool was then. Sometimes when it was cool is now. The When It Was Cool Podcast Network. Nostalgia, history, pop culture, sports, TV, movies. True crime, stories, society, culture, and our place in it. Movies, retro sports, toys, history, music, wrestling, and more. Whenitwascool.com. Whenitwascool.com and the When It Was Cool Podcasting Network.